Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week, I have a deep conversation with Patrice Bennett, who opens up about her humble beginnings from Jamaica all the way through her over 30-year career as a law enforcement officer and becoming a United States citizen. My name is E. Duke Bennett, and this is Tell Us the Truth. Hi, this is Patrice Bennett, and I'm here to tell you the truth. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You know, before we get too deep into this thing, because this is legitimately going to be the most personal episode of Tell Us the Truth that you know we'll ever have, why don't you let whoever's listening know our relationship to one another? Well, I'm the Duke's mother. <laughs> That's right. You are my mom. And um, yeah, I'm very happy and honored that you agreed to come on the show. I was I was thinking about this and, and you asked me, well, why why do you want me to come on the show? Just poking around online and doing research, I realized that there's very little information about who you are. And, you know, that really bothered me because doing podcasts, not only this show, but also Duke Loves Wrestling, doing podcasts in the way I have for you know, the past number of years, I realized that I've helped so many people and provided a platform for so many people to tell the world who they are in their own words, and also you know, essentially to, to live forever. And if I can't do that with my own mom, then who can I do that with? You know what I mean? So I really want the world to know who you are, but not just my impression, but from you and your own words. We're going to we're going to have you live forever in this moment right here. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about something, mom, when I was a retail manager and, you know, the, the stores I was working with, they were doing pretty well. And the company decided that they wanted to build a profile of their ideal candidate to be a retail manager. You know, so they they took those of us who was doing really well and even those who weren't doing so well to, to get a decent range. And one of the results that came back and really something that the company focused on when explaining my results, they said, you're very principled. And in fact, you're so principled that you will do what you feel is the right thing, even if it doesn't benefit you personally. And I, I don't know what it was about the test and why that popped up as heavily as it did, but that was like the main theme of my results. And it really made me think, and even to this day, I think about it, and I realized that the foundation of what I believe in and the foundation of doing what's right, even when it doesn't benefit me personally, I realized that I got that from you. Because you've modeled that example to me and, and to you know my sister Shari, your daughter. You've modeled that to us throughout our entire lives. So my first question to you is, where does your sense of doing what's right and your sense of following your principles, where does that come from? 
It comes from our family values. I'd say that's how my grandmother and my mother and, you know, my aunts and everybody in the family and even with church and school and the way we were brought up in our neighborhoods, that was a very important concept with us growing up. So we learned that not just at home, but school and wherever we go, that it's important to have good principle. And you teach that also to your kids. For sure. And, and, and definitely, like I said, this is something that you've modeled. So it's not just something that you've told us to do. But, you know, when I think about you and, and even when I talk to other people, you know, I've, I've met other law enforcement officers and I'll mention you and they smile or they're quick with a story. Oh, I love. Oh, man, I love Patrice. She's so great. And a lot of them actually have examples of moments where you've gone out of your way to do something for them or their family members. And you weren't doing it because you wanted to get praise or anything like that. Because in most of these cases, you were doing something that did not benefit you personally, but you go out of your way to help others. And that's why it's interesting because I, I believe that you're a public servant first before you are a law enforcement officer. Does, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I think about that a lot because even people on the street, I mean, you could literally have the biggest elected official politician in the area, or you could have someone who's down on their luck begging for change. They all have the same experience with you where it's just positive and they just really respect you and and really appreciate you. They see you and they, they light up. And it's just it's it's interesting because in this day and age where it's not such the, the a popular thing to be a law enforcement officer, this is the response that people have toward you. Growing up, you know, even it sounds cliche type like, but treating people the way you want to be treated. That's important to me. And it was taught to me growing up that that's the way it should be. So I really hold that as something very important. And I live by that. I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoe. Somebody's down on their luck. I'm thinking, you know, I, that could be me. And um, even even though your circumstances might not seem like that could ever happen to you, but I still think it could in some at some point. And if it did, how would you want to be treated? And so I always try to think of treating people, you know, like you, somebody asks for a dollar or something and you give them a dollar. And a lot of time people say, well, you know, they're going to use it for drugs and this and that. And I'm like, you know, it's not none of my business. I'm just thinking because if I think if I think that that was the case and this person really needed it for food and I didn't give it to them, then you know, that would be a bad thing. So you give them the dollar anyways. And sometimes I'll say, I hope you're not buying drugs, but, you know, hopefully they'll take it and, and do something good with the money and not, not do that. But that's kind of none of your business anyways. Where, where does faith fall into this? Because I know that you're somebody who's grown up, you know, guided by God and, and your faith in, in a higher power and what have you. Does that have anything to do with why your values are the way that they are and the way that you treat people? I believe that because I, I went to Catholic school starting from kindergarten all the way up to high school in Jamaica. You were taught about the Bible. And I, you know, even in high school, I 
did like two different religious studies classes. And um, you learn, you know, basically how to treat people and how to be kind and how to be a good person. And also within the family, you learn, you know, to respect yourself and respect your, your, your family's name. And you are representing your family when you're out and about. And so whatever you do, you would think, would I want any, uh, you know, you know, whatever I do, it should, you know, reflect in a positive way on my family. So you always try not to do anything that will reflect negative on your family. So that was always in the back of my mind. You're representing your family, you're representing your people, and it should be a good representation of what your family is and your family values. So, yeah, that's that's the way I think. And that's the way I was raised. What what part of Jamaica are you from originally? Well, I was born in Kingston, but my my maternal grandmother lived in St. Catherine and I went to live with her when I was nine years old. So I kind of think of myself as being from St. Catherine more more because I spend half my life, you know, to that point there. I spent half the time that I was in Jamaica in St. Catherine. So you know, my teenage years and stuff like that. So, yeah, I remember that more. So, yeah, I'm from the country. I always say I'm from the country, which is good. Take me back to the the 60s and the 70s growing up as a child. How would you describe growing up in St. Catherine? Because, you know, the family wasn't rich by any stretch of the imagination, right? Right. We were poor, but we didn't know it. I mean, <laughs> all your neighbors were like in the same boat. Everybody was, you know, living the same life. And so we were rich in another sense because we had a lot of food. We 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 had a lot of room to run and play and have fun. And it was all good. It, you know, we, we enjoyed that. We was good. And you said that it was the country. What do, what do you mean by that when you say it was the country? Because like Kingston was the capital of the country and it's city and they were cars, a lot of cars driving around and stuff like that. And, but the country was different. It's rural, it's dirt roads, it's not a lot of cars. You do a lot of walking and boy, did we walk. My grandmother would take me for miles to walk for miles to visit relatives and stuff like that. I mean, we could go six miles up to 10 miles walking and it was nothing because that's the lifestyle and people did mostly walk to wherever they want to go so it was country there's a lot of trees and a lot a lot of animals around and you know country life that was that was how it was but it was it was fun too a lot of rivers you play in the river it was it was fun you you mentioned the animals and I you know I have to bring this up because I remember it's it's actually happened a couple of times. The last few times you've gone back home with Jamaica to visit. And when you, you take pictures and you come back and you show me the pictures, you're always so excited to show me pictures of the animals. Like you say, look, it's a rooster and this and this and this. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I miss the rooster crowing early in the morning, three, four o'clock in the morning, and they wake you up and and that, I, I look forward to that when I go home because that really ground me and let me feel like I am home, you know. So, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. 
And you hold on to that because I mean, even to this day, you, you often, you want to tell me about the birds and this bird did that. And did you see it over there? Look at those birds over there. You always want to talk about the birds or some cat that's trying to follow you around and get close to you or something like that. You, you got a thing about animals. Huh? Yeah, I do. I feel a, a connection with them and it's always positive. And, and I, I love that. You know, I feel like if you see birds around and, you know, animals around, then, you know, your environment is good. I think you have to be really concerned if you're in an area where there are no birds and, you know, there might be something wrong or no, no animals walking around and, you know, it might not be such a good environment for you. That's an incredible point. And you're absolutely right, because when we talk about all of the effects of global warming and some of these other issues that we see happening, um, you're absolutely right. If, if we don't see wildlife thriving, then, yeah, something's definitely wrong there. You mentioned your grandmother a lot. You grew up primarily with your grandmother as opposed to your mother. Where was your mother? Uh, my mother migrated to the U.S. when I was nine years old. So my grandmother raised me when I was nine until I was 19. A lot of folks have so much to say about immigrants and they think they know and they use their own concept of what it means to be an immigrant and what have you. But which has always been bizarre to me because I, you know, the United States is a is a nation of immigrants for the most part. The majority of people here, their ancestors came from somewhere else. And let's not even get into the fact of slavery where people were forced to be here. That's a whole other level of something. But, you know, the Italian American experience, the Irish American experience, the Asian American experience, the West Indian American experience, these are folks from somewhere else who had to immigrate here for the most part. Um, so your mother came to the United States. She worked as a, as a homemaker for, you know, family and whatever little bit of money that she made, she would save up, send a portion back home to make sure you guys had something to eat. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What have you closed? But one by one, she sent away and, and brought your siblings and yourself over at some point, right? Yes. That's a such a classic story of immigration to the United States. And it's one that, you know, I think most people have a similar story at some point in their family history. Yeah. I, so, I mean, growing up, most of my, um, the kids that I went to school with, they were kind of in the same p position. Their parents or their mothers were in the U.S. or in Canada or in, in, in England or they were someplace else trying to make a better life because. You know, sometimes and Jamaica was a small island and, and they could make a better 
life for themselves as far as finding jobs and, um, you know, better education probably at the time for their children, even though the education was awesome, you know, growing up, we, we, we learned a lot. When you migrate from the West Indies to the United States, you're usually the kids will tend to be in a higher grade. Their education is a little bit going a little bit higher, but still, as far as higher education, like going to college and stuff, depending on our university. When I was coming up, we didn't have that many universities or places, a higher place of learning in Jamaica. So we had to migrate in order to get that. So everybody wanted to go someplace else. Some people went back home after they finished their higher learning. But um, that was important to us. Education was important to just about everybody growing up with me. I still am in contact with a lot of the kids I went to school with. I'd say 90-something percent of them went to college or university and so they could find a better way of life. At what age did you come to the United States? 19. All right. So 19 years old, you, you come over here. Some of your siblings are already here. My grandma, your mother is here. And you pretty much work just about any job that you could get your hands on, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My first job was uh, Woolworths, downtown Boston. I worked at the perfume counter, which was interesting because I was only in the country for a couple of months and I immediately got a job. In the meantime, I was looking to find a college because I had graduated from high school in Jamaica and I um, applied to Boston State University. But and I got in there. That was my first job. And then I looked around, look at the pay scale and see if I could find something that paid more. And I looked at um, Star Market, which there was one close to my home and they were paying better than Woolworths was with good benefits too. you know, had medical and stock options and all this stuff. So I got a part time job at um, Star Market and go to college in the day, daytime. You were asking about other jobs from then. I got, I think I um, ended up working for the registry at one point. They were on Nashua Street, Registry of Motor Vehicle on Nashua Street. I worked there for a while. And then I um, I worked as a nurse's aide at one point at um, Tufts New England Center. And um, I worked for the Merit Rating Board as a clerk. And um, I worked for Honeywell as a test technician. Had a bunch of jobs, um, well, but I was always a, looking for more money, you know, a better, better salary or whatever. And you, you took a typing course as well. Yeah, I did. I to did learn how to type. So when you say you were a clerk here and you were a clerk there, that typing course helped you along the way, huh? Yes, back in the days, um, ABCD had um, the typing or taught people how to be secretaries or whatever. So I took that course. I also took a course at um, RCC, 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 Roxbury yes. Community College down there yeah. in the Roxbury neighborhood of, of Boston. Yeah. There, which so is I was still keeping there. busy. I was keeping busy. I was learning as much as I could and trying to make a better life for myself and my family. You know, what's funny about um, you mentioned ABCD and how you learned some typing and what have you there as well. Fast forward you know, a few decades later, you would actually receive an award from ABCD. And it was basically an award for your your excellence in, in, in community service, right? 
I sure did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic. How ironic. But yes. Did that yes. ever cross your mind? The fact that the same organization where when you first got here, you went to them and they helped you learn some skills, a, a very invaluable skill that's helped you throughout your career. Um, they ended up honoring you for some of the things that you turned around and did with that skill that you learned from them. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really think about it, but yes, yes, yes. I forgot about that. Yes. And I, I always try to give back to the community. You know, I always try to do my best and help everybody I can. Yes. That is wild. I really appreciated that they recognize, you know, recognize me for that. Well, and I know I jumped ahead a lot by bringing that up, but I didn't want to let that moment pass without, without mentioning that because you did all of these, these jobs and you're finding your way here. And then you decided to join the police Academy. You decided you want to be a law enforcement officer, yeah. which when I think about that, I now, now anyone listening, I want you to, to think about this for a second. My mom is barely five feet tall and she was always known as being a, a petite person just in general. So imagine this really, really tiny lady from Jamaica who decides she's going to get into law enforcement. Mention, what, what did you have to do to put on some weight? Um, <laughs> by the way, I'm five, three. Okay. Oh yes. Yes. You're five, three. Okay. <laughs> I just want you to know yeah, Sure. Well, okay. when I, when I came to the, this country first, I actually was um, going to McDonald's a lot, getting that um, strawberry shake. And um, what was that? The Sunday, hot fudge Sunday, because I wanted to gain weight because I was like under a hundred pounds. I was 90 something pounds and I was trying to gain weight. I don't have to do that anymore, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, that's one of the things I did trying to eat, you know, trying to have more so I could put on a little bit of weight. Yeah. Hot fudge Sundays, okay? Yes, so, McDonald's so. <laughs> hot fudge Sunday was one of my staple. I thought that would help me to gain weight. Yeah. And Brigham's ice cream too. Brigham's, Brigham's yes. oh my god, Brigham's, I'm um, Brigham's um, banana split. Oh yes, and they hot fudge Sunday. Yeah, you were kind of cheating there, okay? Because you weren't taking no weight gain protein or or piling up on the eggs and stuff. You went for the hot fudge Sunday, man. To try to yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. So you made the law enforcement force and, and started your career out there in the mid 80s, which yeah. was a, a heck of a time because, I mean, that was the crack epidemic had really just started getting going. And here you were, this small lady out there yeah. figuring out life. But one thing throughout your career that continued to happen is that you were entrusted to work with the community. You're entrusted to work with the youth. You're entrusted to work with our elderly population. You're entrusted to work with everybody in between. And the thing that I keep coming back to is because of your morals and because of the way that you treated people, you received a lot of that back in return where the community trusted you and, and appreciated you, right? Yes. Yes. It goes both ways. You know, it goes both ways. And it should be an integral part of law enforcement that you really work with a community because you serve in the community that, you know, you're serving and protecting the community. So it does go both ways. Trust. Why, why is it that 
you know, you you're one of the people who doesn't believe that arresting away the problems is the way to solve the problems. You've always not only by what you said, but what you've shown, you've always been a person that is about helping people, which means that it's not always about slapping the cuffs on them. Why do you think that is a better way to go in terms of law enforcement? Maybe because I don't believe in like throwing away people. I think there's good in everybody if people can only see that. And sometimes people just need a little bit of help in order to see that and a little bit of hope. There are bad people in the world and some people you just can't save them. I'm not crazy. I don't believe that you're going to save every single one, but you could give it a shot and see if if you can. And if you can, you should try to save as many as you can. Because at the end of the game, I mean, but sometimes you say, but for the grace of God, anybody can have bad luck and anybody can fall on hard times. And maybe sometimes people just need a little bit of help, a little push. And if they get it, they too can really change the world and maybe help somebody else to be a better person. The word hate. This is a word that I probably used maybe once or twice in my life, probably only once in earnest to say, oh, I hate that. And you actually have scolded me and you you scolded my sister for, for using that word. What do you mean hate? You don't hate anything. You don't hate anybody. You don't, don't say that word. And you're very serious about that. The word hate is a, is a word that, it, I mean, it might as well be a swear. Why do you have such a strong reaction against using the word hate? I just don't believe in it. I mean, I believe there are bad people and there's bad situations in the world, but I think we need to focus more on positive things. And sometimes it's not even about the other person. Sometimes it's about how you deal with situations around you and how you try to make things better instead of getting consumed with hate. Because sometimes people get consumed with hate and they just miss out a lot in life. So I always try to more focus on, you know, the positive, positive and trying to make your life better and not worry about even if somebody offend you and they really do you wrong. If you focus on you and making things better for yourself, they're going to have to answer for whatever it is they did. And, and, you know, it's, it's up to God to punish them and figure it out for them. So if you work on you, make yourself better, then that's that's all you can do. And who knows? They might change by seeing that you're a, you're a better person. Boy, you know, it, you just said a mouthful there because as, you, as you're saying that, there's really no one. And like you say, even people who may have mistreated you at some point or done you wrong, there's no one that you have ever completely turned your back on or haven't offered help to even after they've done you wrong. So you you really live by these concepts of doing the right thing and of being against hatred of helping others. I mean there's there's no two ways about it and it extends in so many levels when I think about my own moral compass. You and I were talking about it a couple of weeks ago where I I mentioned to you that we were talking about the way that transgendered people had been mistreated even in the military and and you know the previous administration how hard they were on LGBTQ plus people and trans people uh, uh, explicitly. And I said to myself, because a light bulb kind of went off, I said, you know, mom, we always knew gay people existed. I mean, since I was young, I always knew that, you know, there were gay people in the neighborhood and in the world and what have you. And it just really didn't 
it didn't matter to me one way or another because they were just people. But you never at any point have ever said something negative to me about gay people in my sister, nothing negative about gay people. You've never said that we should dislike gay people. In fact, you've always said treat people like people and respect people and don't rob people of their dignity. These are always concepts that you hammered home. It's just interesting how that all fits. You, 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 you legitimately have never taught us to hate people, any people, regardless of their situation, regardless of their background, orientation, race, where they come from. And you always get along with such a wide cross-section of people from all these different cultures. People come up to you, mom, and will speak to you in another language. And they know you can't speak the language, but it doesn't matter because they feel out of everybody in the crowd, you're the one person that they should be able to trust. They feel that they can trust you and that you're going to find a way to help them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. True. But, you know, I was raised not to hate. I don't, I don't use hate. I don't believe in that. And people's situation, you, you could think, you know, like people are upset about somebody being gay or whatever. If that's your son, if that's your daughter, if that's your aunt, if that's your uncle, would you still not have love for them just because of their their sexual orientation? I mean, I don't see the point in in hating people and you know victimizing them for that. I, I, it's none of your business. I just you know I just don't see how that you should be concerned with that. I'd be more concerned with you know how they treat you or how you treat them that that's more important and life is short you only on this planet for a, a short time so if you spend most of your time being consumed with hate just think how much you miss and how much good time you could have had with that person instead of being hateful and you know mean or whatever so that's that's how i feel when you think back to growing up and what you assume the United States was and what this country was about. And even when you got here, I mean, you definitely had an interesting journey, uh, just even your path to citizenship, which you became a legal citizen. And, and in fact, I don't, I don't even want to gloss over this. Um, you had an experience with Ted Kennedy during your yeah. path to citizenship, right? Yes. He, he actually stepped in and was able to be helpful. His constituent services team would have you to, to make sure that there was the path was a little bit more clear than it was because uh, there was some missing paperwork and problems in the office to, to you know, funny business happening to, throughout the, the process, right? Yeah, somebody was just trying to block me from being a citizen. They had gone, gone through the whole process where you take the test, you do the in-person interview and all that. So it's just a matter of somebody signing off on it so I could get, so I could be sworn in. and. Some person in the office was saying no, um, you know, so I contacted Senator Kennedy's office and um, one of his constituent uh, representative did step in and, you know, got things to move, move forward. 
which allowed me to be to be sworn in with the next the group that was coming up at that time. So my old the process would have been delayed probably a year later, who knows how long, if that wasn't done. And it wasn't even necessary because I had, like I said, I had done everything that needed to be done. So there was no reason why it should be held up. So that's so interesting. Can you imagine? I mean, somebody who you, you've won a ton of awards, you, you've you've gotten a lot of accolades and what have you, because of your service to the community as a law enforcement officer, because of how many people you've helped from from young kids to to seniors, everybody in between, as I said before, can you imagine that somebody who has given back so much, there was almost a chance where you wouldn't have been able to even be achieve that opportunity to give back. That's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing. But you know, like my mom taught me or my grandmother that, you know, you, you always give and always help whoever you can help, even though they weren't rich and they didn't have a lot. It, it was just natural for you to give and be supportive and be helpful in any way you can. So I learned that from my family, my aunt, my, you know, uncles, whatever, my neighbors, everybody who, you know, they say take a village and it does take a village. So the people I grew up around, my friends, that, that's how we were. That's how we were taught. That's, you know, that, that's, that's how we are. It's, it was kind of a rude awakening coming to uh, this country, coming to America and um, experiencing racism and all that. Cause I wasn't, <laughs> I came here when I was 19 and I never experienced it prior to that. And experiencing that then later, it was just something else. It still is something else. <laughs> you know, it still is. People are people and they love everybody, you know. So I don't understand. I get I get it to a point, but it's just, you. like I said, life is short. You don't know how long you're going to be here. Why spend time hating other people, you know? I hear that. I hear that. And I know growing up in Jamaica, People from all over the world live in Jamaica. I mean, Jesus, I, I did the 23andMe DNA analysis and, and found out that my DNA makeup, it's over 30% Northern Irish. And I was surprised at that. I thought maybe that was, had to do with slavery or, or something. It just didn't make any sense to me. And it wasn't until I spoke to your mother, my grandma, and she told me that we had Irish in the family on, on your side. That lived in Jamaica, right? Yes. So there's a lot of culture. There's a lot, you know, Chinese. There's a lot of folks who live in Jamaica and have set up roots in Jamaica and what have you. Racism really wasn't as prominent as classism, rich right. versus poor. Right. Um, so when you say that you really didn't experience racism growing up and it wasn't until you came here, it was like, oh, this is a whole new level of, of something, huh? Yeah, it was. It was like a rude awakening. I mean, I heard about it, but until you get, you actually experience it, you don't really know because people are actually t telling you you're less than who you are. And that's not how I was raised. I was raised that everybody's equal and everybody is somebody. They're worth, they're worth something and they're trying to tell you you're beneath them or whatever. And it's just, it's not okay. It's not true. You know, mom, we, we've had a, a really interesting, dare I say, traumatic experience over the past year 
with this uh, global pandemic known as COVID-19. And I think about it from my perspective as somebody with experience doing constituent services and all of the constituents that I've known and the families that I've worked with. But that pales in comparison to all of the constituents you have helped through law enforcement and all the people you there's really not too many families in the city in the city that we're in that you have not provided some kind of service to so there's a lot of people that you know of that that we've lost over this past year yes unfortunately and it's 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 sad because you know you wonder if we didn't have this pandemic they would have been lasted a lot longer you could have spent more time with them but we got to remember the good times and the good the good experiences we have with our friends and loved ones who pass and um, try to keep that with us or hold that. But um, yes, we have lost a lot of people that we really love and care about. May they all rest in peace. We hold their memories dear to us. Mom, you, you have a medical procedure coming up and I know that there's a lot of reflection going on and, and what have you. What do you want to say to the world about Patrice Bennett? If if we were to make a declaration in your own words, what what is what is one major point that you want to make right now? Hmm. Well, I hope that my life meant something to a lot of people, and I hope that I did provide some positive um, memories or help to people that I come in contact with, and. Um, I hope we I hope we can get rid of this pandemic, you know, COVID-19. I hope it goes away soon enough. And I just hope that people can treat people like the way they want to be treated. That's how I, I live and that's how I feel. And um, I hope when I leave this world, I leave the world a better place from being here, my time here. Before I let you go, I got to ask about something very important that I've never asked you before. One of your favorite foods to make is banana fritters, okay? And I've never made a fritter a day in my life. I don't even know why the heck they call it a fritter, but okay, fine. <laughs> I'll That's go the with name. It. That's the name. <laughs> go with it. Go with it. <laughs> I'll go with it. Fine. And you're from Jamaica, and I know banana fritters is a big deal over there too, right? Yeah, well, some people like it. Most people like it. Yeah. Okay, so I, I need you to give me the recipe. And listen, anyone listening right now, you're in for a treat because my mother and I, we have this long-standing thing where I'll ask her how to make something and she'll she'll say this and that and this and that. I'll say, well, how much or how long do you cook that for? And she always responds with what? Listen, <laughs> I've told you a million times, if you're used to preparing stuff a certain way, if you grow up just cooking, we don't measure after you learn how to cook stuff you don't measure anymore you, you just a pinch of this a dash of that and that's how you do it you know so i can't give you the measurement i can't you just and you know when you put enough in it if you might taste it if that's enough if it's the way you want it to taste and then that's it so but by doing it over and over again you know just how much depending on you know how much you're making just how much seasoning or how much sugar or how much salt or whatever. And um, you keep trying to pin me down on that. I, you can't. I can't do it. I just can't. All right. All right. So so once and for all, let's hear the Bennett banana fritter. Let's let's hear what the recipe is. The ingredients may be, you know, flour, salt, 
if it's, yeah, right, bananas, banana fritters, sugar, cinnamon, vanilla, maybe nutmeg if you can, if you like nutmeg and water and oil to fry it. And then, but it's a, a batter that you, um, you fry up the batter after you put all the ingredients in. I can't do this. <laughs> you know, you, 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 mash the bananas, you put the flour in, you put the water and you put the pinch of salt and some sugar and and you mix it all together and, and you make um, a batter to a certain consistency, which is thicker than um, pancake batter. It's thicker than that. And you use a spoon and you spoon it and you have the oil in the skillet and get it real hot. And then you pour it and a little at a time and so you can make a number of them and that's it you fry it on both sides and then um when it looks brown enough and you know <laughs> and then that's it you take it out and you know that's it then you can eat it i can't give you a measurement because i don't i don't do it like that but i do have a cookbook with the measurements and i can give it to you like that oh boy with the cookbook you didn't make the yes cookbook. it's no, not i didn't write way. the cookbook it's i didn't write the cookbook but um yeah. All right. Well, me being because, you know, I got to I got to do everything my way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all the ingredients together except for the banana. So I'm going to put everything together and then I'm going to dip the banana in the ingredients and fry the banana whole instead of mashing it up. What do you think about that? It won't come out the way you want it to. It won't be um, banana fritters because the banana gets to be mashed up ripe and it's ripe bananas not green bananas ripe bananas very ripe bananas you see how i give my mother a hard time folks that's that's the way it goes i i gotta do it my way <laughs> <laughs> i i can't believe you did that to me anyways you're in trouble for that one because um i didn't expect that listen bob i love you i wanted to have you on this show to let the world know the most important person on in the universe to me. And I didn't want them to hear it just from me. I wanted them to hear it from you. So I appreciate you being on Tell Us The Truth. I love you too, Duke. And I'm very proud of you. And I wish you all the best. And um, um, you, if I had to pick another son, I would pick you all over again. You're the best. Your check is in the mail for that. <laughs> I hope so. No, sir. <laughs> No, I'm going to get you for that that question about the banana fritters. That was like, no. <laughs> Less than 24 hours after that conversation with my mom, I actually dropped her off to the hospital. As we record the end of uh, this conversation here, I do this recap. You know, she's still in surgery. So definitely best to my mom there. And as I said, I, I wanted to have this conversation just to allow her the opportunity to speak to the world and talk about herself in her own words. I think that's very important. You know, there are so many people in the world who contribute so much and we will never know about their contributions. I mean, think about this for a second, right? If there is a stop sign on your street, if there is a slowdown sign, if there is a park in your neighborhood, public transportation, you know, bus stops and things of that nature. There are people who are from your neighborhood who helped make that happen. We have our elected officials and their staff who are responsible for kind of bringing it all home. And you have your developers and your people who do the actual work at the end. But 
something has to happen to prompt someone in the neighborhood to say, hey, we should have a park in our neighborhood. Or, hey, we should redo our park in our neighborhood. We should have signs that say, slow down. We should have a bus stop on our street. People, people who live there collectively come together and drive these concepts until they're made a reality. And I know this for a fact because, you know, in my experience doing constituent services, I've been to countless neighborhood association meetings and and hearings. And, you know, I've really have been in the room when there was an idea, when a constituent, aka somebody in the neighborhood says, hey, I want to do this thing or I believe we should do this thing. And then I've been there when we cut the ribbon and that thing is made a reality. And I've been there through all the steps. So I know what it looks like. There are people who are truly unsung heroes and 99.9999% of them we will never know about. And that bothers me because I feel like we all contribute something to the world. And I feel like we're all worthy of telling our story or at least certain chapters, certain aspects of our story. I really feel that way. That was the whole reason why I got into podcasting in the first place. I just wanted to help people tell their stories. I wanted to help people live forever because long after our physical being is here, we have these recordings. And yes, it's very interesting to watch a program where other people are talking about so-and-so. Watch a movie or listen to some audio recording or something where other people read a book where other people are talking about so-and-so. But I got to tell you, man, nothing beats hearing Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr. in their own words, right? Nothing beats that. Nothing beats hearing from the person who owned the general store down the street from your house or when you were a kid, you used to walk down there and get yourself a five cent piece of candy and the lady behind the counter would smile at you and say, have a good day and all that good. Nothing beats hearing that person's voice, right? And at some point that voice is lost forever unless we have a recording of it. That's why I do this show. I want people to live forever and I want the world to know that These guests that I have on this show, they've contributed something to the world. I want everybody throughout history from the moment forward to know this person meant something and they contributed something. And this is why you should know who they are for the rest of of life and beyond. Right. My mom is having a major surgery. I want her to live forever in her own words. And yes, I listen, I, I have no doubt that she's going to be all right and, you know, she'll be on the mend and I'll definitely give an update next week and all that good stuff there. But this woman has done a lot and she has a heck of a story, you know. And what's interesting is that my mom is somebody who is not very good at being the center of attention or, or you know, receiving a pat on the back or any kind of praise or what have you. She just... That's just not her style. She's focused on the work. She's focused on everyone but herself. And that's just the way it is. Some people are like that. It's funny because when I think about some previous guests, I mean, think about Jamal Crawford, who's on the show. He's like that too. 
when it's time to take credit for the work, he's in the back. He's not one of the first people out front. You have to force Jamal to even be in a picture when he does anything because he just he did the work. The work is, you know, that aspect of the work is done. Time to move on to the next thing. That's it. My mom's the same way. Whether she is on, you know, law enforcement time or whether she's in a personal time, she, listen, I've seen my mom pick up elderly people and take them to the grocery store. I've seen my mom, you know, take time to spend with, with youth in the community and do things with them. I, you know, my, I've seen my mom do so many different things. My mom, who you just heard, Patrice Bennett, she was part of a specialized unit, law enforcement unit, that when 9-11 happened, they went to ground zero and stood outside of ground zero while the New York first responders were in and out of the building looking for their falling comrades and what have you. She was out there providing mental health services to those first responders when they were, you know, taking turns going inside, then they'd be outside or what have you, and some would stand in guard. She'd be out there just providing services to them. She's part of a specialized unit that did that. And you won't hear stories too much about units like that, but they existed and they came from all over the country and they served a purpose. And unfortunately, a lot of them ended up with health complications because of whatever was in the air that they were breathing. That's a fact. And, and shout out to John Stewart, who, who really has led the charge with ensuring that there's money in our federal budget to pay for health care for anyone who went through that experience and, and have found themselves with some complications related to it uh, after the fact. But my mom was one of those people. And you won't hear her talk about that too much because in her mind, she was just doing what she's supposed to do. And that wasn't part of her regular duties either. That was something that she did in addition to I'm telling you, man. And she, it's not just her. There was, there was a whole team that she went with and there were teams from all over the country. These are stories you will not hear. We're going to lose this stuff historically unless we start talking to people about it and bringing it up and let, give them an opportunity to open up about it. You know, I'll tell you, I want people to live forever. I, I cannot stress that enough. I really, I, that's, that's my goal. That's my goal to tell us the truth. I want you to live forever. All of these stories, all of these individuals who have contributed something, including my mother. And there's no shame in my game in saying that. That's for damn sure. I appreciate all the well wishes and what have you out there as well, uh, for sure. And I, and I challenge you, listening right now, whether it's yourself or a loved one or someone that you know, if there's anyone, and they don't have to be the biggest name in the room either. They could just be a regular person in the neighborhood. But if there's anyone with a story to be told and you feel this platform is a good place to tell it, please, at Tell Us The Truth on Facebook, on Twitter, tellusthetruth.duke at gmail.com. Send them my way or... You can reach out personally and give me all their contact information, but just let them know that you're going to bridge the gap and put me in touch with them. But let's do it, man. Let's help them live forever. Let's tell these stories. Let's not lose such important contributions, right? Let's get it out there. Because here's the problem. 
we know all the people who are front and center take credit for everything, right? They can't get enough. They were there for everything. <laughs> they, you know what I mean? They, they, they built everything. They did everything. They were, they started everything. We know those folks. And we bestow so much praise and adulation to our actresses and actors and sports figures and all these other folks here, which is great. I, I don't have an issue with that. I think that there, there's inspiration to be found there. But man, I want to hear from you. And I want to help you let the world know that you existed. I think that's important. So many people talk about immigrants and, you know, there's a lot of people that have something negative to say about immigrants as if, you know, I mean, America is a, is a nation of immigrants. Come on. I don't think I know anyone who doesn't have a similar story to my mom's where somebody in their line came over here from somewhere else to make a better life for themselves, excluding those who were forced to come over here. Descendants of slaves, which my fa on my father's side, that's the case. But a lot of people who emigrated to the United States and became citizens and have contributed so much to this nation, and this nation is a better place because of their journey and because of their contributions, those are stories to be told. Tell those stories and be proud of that and acknowledge that and elevate that, right? Come on. You know how many Italian friends I have who, who literally their mother or their grandmother or grandfather, or father, what have you, they're, they're first generation, man. They got stories to tell, man. They got stories to tell, and I'm all for it. We are at a point where we're just still trying to find our way. I mean, you look at what's going on with this COVID-19 pandemic. They want the kids back in school, but then again, they done found seven different variations of this virus here. So it's like, well, what do we do? Is it safe to reopen all the schools or not? And they keep going back and forth. And the CDC guidelines, it's like a seesaw. And I understand it. That's the way science works. As you get new information or as things change, the guidance changes. So I get it. But it's like, you know, we're still, we're not out of the woods. That's just a fact. We're not out of the woods. So I hope everyone is continuing to stay masked up. Keep your mask on and you're washing your hands, please. Hope everyone's still doing the right thing. You know, social distancing. I, we, we had Reggie B. Fine on last week who battled COVID-19 and came out on the right side there. Thank goodness. Reggie, that, that's a hell of a story. That was a hell of a battle for this man, you know? So we, we got to continue to be vigilant and diligent regarding how we take care of ourselves and take care of our loved ones. Please, I beg of you. This is a challenging moment for me. It's not COVID related, but nonetheless, you know, my mom is having surgery right now, man. It's a challenge. My sister too. She, you know, it's a challenge for us waiting for the call that everything is okay. And I'm bringing this up because I, and I want to close with this. Tell your loved ones that you love them. Even if it's somebody that you haven't spoken to in a while or somebody you just spoke to a minute ago, make sure you remind your loved ones that you love them, please. It's very important because we all know what loss is even before the past year. And the past year has given us such tremendous loss that it's not even, we can't even process it. It's just too much. It's overload. But the one thing that is clear, just tell your loved ones that you love them, please. Share a kind word with somebody, including a stranger. Nothing fresh now. Don't be fresh. 
share a kind word. We we, we got to get back and just like you know, my mom said, treat people the way you want to be treated. I want to be treated with respect. I don't want you to fawn over me or, or kiss my backside or do anything out of the ordinary, but I, I want to be treated with respect. So because of that, I will treat you with respect. That's just the way, that's the way it goes. I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. So the expectation is that you do the same. Reciprocate that, please. I beg of you. And I think that if we keep that front of mind, no matter what we personally are going through, there'd be a lot more understanding and a lot less drama and trauma. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. This is E. Duke Bennett, and you've been listening to Tell Us the Truth. Tell Us the Truth is produced in Boston in association with iHeartMedia and WBZ News Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.